So today, I ask you a question. This is the kind of question I'm asking. It's a simple question. But here's the question. Does what you believe about the Bible and God's Word, those are the same. I don't know why I said and. Does what you believe about God's Word change? Like, I don't mean change like, yes, man, uh, you know, I've been growing the Lord, and I just never knew that stuff before. Uh, you know, I used to think cleanliness was next to godliness because my grandma always told me that. Then I looked in the Bible, and it's actually not there. Yes, what I believe changes. I don't mean in growth kind of change. That's not what I'm saying at all. Let me, if I can, um, clarify a bit. Would you say that your faith in Jesus your belief about him and his word changes based on the mood you're in. Does our belief change based on the mood we are in? Like, is what is possible and what is impossible, do those things change and they ebb and flow with an emotional transition in our life? You know, this, this summer we have a team going, and it's still open slots, by the way, uh, going on a trip to Peru, going on our annual missions, taking a team this summer, and uh, going down to, with, to serve with Rudolfo and Saraid. Uh, man, they're part of our church, and they're mission partners, and they're bro- brothers and sisters. They're part of Cornerstone. Um, <clears throat> and we get to serve with them for a week. And what they're doing every single week, but we get to join inside. And it takes money. It takes time. It takes uh, saying no to some things and rearranging schedules and it, it takes sacrifice, and you know what, to be very honest, it's for almost every one of us going, if it's just in a day-to-day rhythm, actually what it takes to get there is impossible. It's impossible because of mortgages and job requirements and, you know, stages of child life and other things that come up that seem very appealing. It's very impossible, but you know what, people sign up for a mission, they're like, yes, and, but sometimes when things get tight, all of a sudden they begin seeing impossible again. And that's where we rally around and we encourage people. Like, no, you know what? God is still possible. I'm asking, does, you know what, our, our possible and impossible perhaps change? For instance, if we have faith, really have faith, then would worry really ever have an opportunity if we had faith? If we had faith, would worry ever have an opportunity to consume a day or consume our life at any point? Uh, I'm not trying to make this complicated, but today my aim I'm just setting a, a long entrance ramp for a short landing it's here in a moment. I'm, I'm not trying to make this complicated, but today my aim is to have us living so infused with the truth of God's faithfulness, with the realization of who we are in Jesus Christ, that the belief, the faith, the actions that are of God may be shocking to those who do not know him, but honestly, just living in a supernatural way is just completely normal to any of the rest of us. And it's normal in such a way that, it, that the people who are shocked are drawn to the Lord as a result. Does that make sense? So we will never find, for instance, we're in a relationship series because of Jesus and relationships are bigger than me. We will never find a relationship where two people are grounded in Jesus and yet division exists. There will never, ever, ever be a place where two people are grounded in Jesus and yet there is a division in the middle. 
there may be a moment of a temptation to draw, draw away or to be offended, but it will never be uh, an ongoing division because Jesus is the center that grounds us. So even, you know what, if we don't see things eye to eye on a certain nature, we are both working towards Christ and for Christ and from Christ. And so we, we never think the other one is out to get. We work together and we, move, we, we reconcile. It's all about reconciliation, reconciliation, reconciliation. So today, let's read such a challenging chapter and a revealing chapter, I believe, of 1 Corinthians 13. And I've really struggled with go verse by verse in this or just do the whole chapter. And there's no way we're going to make it through all the verses, so we're just going to read the whole chapter. And then we'll come back to verse 1. Is that okay? We're going to even dip over into chapter 14. We're going to be heresy. We're going to go all the way past the chapter. I think if we don't do the whole, then part of it will be lost. So 1 Corinthians 13, let's read through it together. It says, if I, you've probably heard, this is a love chapter. It comes up at weddings and things like that. and We lower the, ball on it, the bar on it really big. It says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and I possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, then I would be nothing. Continues on, says, if I gave everything I have to the poor. Come on, somebody. Oh, I try to do good for everybody everywhere I can. You know, if I gave everything I have to the poor and I even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. I could brag about it. But if I, I could write it, I could go to Snapchat about it. I could make profile pictures about it. But if I did not love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Y'all heard this stuff before? Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Man, we say a lot when we say I love you, don't we? It does, we make a lot of promises to somebody when we say I love you. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. Love, it does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. So when I was a child, he, Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, thought as a child, I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away the childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like a puzzling imperfections, reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is now partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. One more verse, and we won't go beyond it. 
Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities of the Spirit. Yes. Especially the ability to prophesy. If I can, I'm going to work from 13.1 to 14.1, skipping a whole lot in the middle. Is that good? He says, if I could speak all the languages in verse 1 of chapter 13, speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but did not love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know how many times I've heard the statement, well, I've, I've asked God to give me the gift of tongues, but I have not got it. I, so I just, you know, I just kind of roll on with it. I've, I've asked and I've asked and I don't know where it, you know, I, I don't know. I guess he just chose not to give it to me. Do you know how many times I've ever, have you, have we, has anybody else ever landed there? You prayed and you're like, Lord, what about me? Pray for gifts of the Spirit and like, but I, I'm, I'm, I, it's not... I'm, I'm asking and I'm believing, but what I'm asking and believing, I'm not experiencing. Anybody been there? I was there for a very long time. You know what I've never heard anybody ask? Has anybody here ever asked this? I've been praying for a very long time that God would just overflow and infuse me with his love. I've been asking and asking and asking. I've never heard anyone. I'm focusing on really loving others. In fact, I've prayed for years for God to give me an unbelievable passion to love others. And not just others, not just certain others, not just rich others or poor others, not just uh, deserving others and undeserving others, not just certain racials of others, not not just needy others and unneedy others, not just things that will give me gain others or or people that that nobody notices others. But all I've never. But I'm praying that God will fill me with a radical passion for all others, like He loves them. I've never heard anybody come to me, and I just it's just not happening. I've never heard anybody ask that. Have you? You know why? Because tongues is a gift that builds the individual up. It's good. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. It's a gift that strengthens personally. And we will talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. And I want to bring out something for thought. There are people who have settled. I want to kind of open this up because my desire today is really just to create an appetite. Because I realize I'm getting on a tender subject and there's a, there's a crowd of variety. But you know what? I, I believe the Word of God ends division and brings people together. So we're going to talk about it. I want to bring something out for thought. There are people, possibly in here, who is settled or anchored in a belief that the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit through naturally limited mankind is dead. It is something that it lived in the time of Jesus, he gave it to the apostles, and then it ended right there, and it was over. Because only they needed it. But it's kind of weird if it's not going to end until the perfect comes, and I don't know about you, but I don't live in the perfect realm yet. And it's kind of weird that if it's going to, the last remaining person who's going to carry the gift is Paul, and he's telling everybody to pray for it. 
why would he lead somebody through manipulation for something that had no hope? Or, if he would do that, then indeed the word of God is not inspired, it is not Holy Spirit led, it is man manipulated. And that's not the truth. So there are people that have anchored or settled in a belief that the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit through naturally limited mankind is dead. And perhaps some in here have decided to accept that the work of the Holy Spirit in, the, in this way is over. But just consider for a moment, if God gave you a weapon, like 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. And if God gave you a weapon to strengthen your spirit, to strengthen you, and we are never told that God stopped, not once, why would God say, I've got something good I want to give you, never mind, I'm going to take it back? And why, why in the world we are never told? So who, we got to consider, who would be the author of the story that tells in the spirit realm that leads into the intentions of the heart and mind, who, the, who is the one in the spirit realm that would be the one to create a belief that says, yes, God may be good, but he's going to take away the things that give you strength? Hmm. 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though, still says, Paul isn't saying tongues is useless. It's powerful. But without love, it is. Because without love, the very thing that God gave people to give strength is a gift if it's not led and, and the forerunner is not love, then the devil comes in and uses something that God gave for good and uses it to manipulate and turn into arrogance. Perhaps we've all seen that. Perhaps some of us have lived that. Perhaps, you know what, that is the reservation of why I stay away from people like that because of how it has been manipulated and dis the, the work of the Holy Spirit was displayed with such great arrogance. It's like, there's no way I want any part of that. I'm going to share with you a story real quick. Very, um, side note, I hope it keeps me on track. I was, um, I used to work in Jonesville. I had this man who, mailman who was very passionate about leading me to the Lord. And I wouldn't really tell him I was saved. I kind of dabbled around it because I just kind of lead him along because he was so convinced of how hell-bent I was, even though I had come to Jesus not long before that and was, my world was flipped upside down for good. I knew what dark was. I had lived that for a long time. And I'd come to light, and he's trying to tell me I'm still dark. I'm like, nah, bro, you wasn't around before Christ in my life. You know, there's a whole other man here. And, uh, and every day he would, he would try to give me half verses and things. And, you know, basically he wanted me to be baptized a certain way. He wanted me to speak in tongues, or therefore my salvation was not uh, uh, true and genuine. And, and you may have been around some of this, and you know where I'm hinting at, the flavors. And finally one day he got human mad at me. Because he'd give a verse, and it was just the Lord. I didn't know a whole lot of verses, but I would finish the verse. And then it would kill his whole script. And it was... Back and forth, and never mean, but he would just go. And finally, he left storming mad. Well, he just kind of blew up in my face. And finally, I said, look, man, let me tell you something. I didn't even know his name. Isn't it weird how you can be around somebody for weeks and don't even know their name? That, that was the case. I saw him every day. I said, let me tell you something real quick. I know Jesus. Jesus has changed my life. I am not who I was. I know where I received Christ. I know when Jesus came inside of me. And I may not have everything that you want me to have, but I know I have Jesus. And let me tell you something real clear. If, having, if, if I was still lost, 
and you are the example. I don't want anything you've got to offer. And he stormed off. And then he was off duty a couple days later. You know what he did? He came back to my office. He said, I'm sorry. You're right. He said, man, I, I, I'm really a new believer too. I'm just, I just want everybody to know, to experience what I got. I just want to think everybody should have this. And perhaps I got out of hand, and, and, you know, and I'm going about things the wrong way. And I'm sorry, but that's not my intention at all. Thank you so much. Man, we became like prayer partners after that. We became buds after that. I just want to tell you if, you, if you got something that turns you off, don't let people turn you off. Just let it turn you to the Lord. He says, if I had the, shall we go on? Yeah, we'll go on. Verse 2, he says, if I had the gift of prophecy, and I understood all God's secret plans, and I possessed all knowledge, and if I had faith that I could move mountains, but I did not love others, I would be nothing. That's a whole, that's a big pill to swallow right there. But can I tell you something? You and I need the friendship. And to have a vibrant marriage, you and I need, if you're in a marriage, you need the marriages where prophecy exists in the, mar- in the home. A marriage where, prophet- where prophesying exists between the spouses is a place that's going to be strong and full of the Lord. I'm going to break down a little bit if I can make this a bite-sized pieces. Next chapter, 14.1, remember it said this, Let love be your highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives. Paul said this, especially the ability to prophesy. I want to introduce a new thought here if I can. I think it will be new anyway to, to many. Prophesying is not going around shouting to everyone the end is near. Can we just go ahead and clear that out? It's not running around saying the next president is going to be the savior of the world or the, or the antichrist of the world. It's not running around and saying, everybody, you better get ready because times are about to get hard and we're all going to die and we're going down the plane. Prophesying is not going around and yelling all the stuff of how horrible and, and it's not going around. And if you, do, if you get caught in a movie theater when the Lord turns and you're watching a rated R movie, you're going to burn in hell. It's not, that's not prophesying. Somebody on an emotional hinge that should not have got a microphone. Prophesying is speaking God's potential into people. Prophesying in the new covenant way is reconciling people to who they are in Christ. Prophesying, many of us know what you say, well, man, we're reading through the Old Testament. Man, I'm seeing some stuff. And you know what? You're going to see it again through Habakkuk and Isaiah and Jeremiah. You're going to see over and over and over, and God's going to give warning of pending doom if they do not change some way. And the warning of the Old Covenant, the covenant was what kept the relationship with God uh, close. You know, the, 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 the commandments, the laws, the things we're reading through in Leviticus, it, it was the reliance on uh, for the forgiveness of our sins through animal sacrifice and things. These are the things, they were, they were the covenant then. It was, it was all physical covenant in, in that point. But it was always about a promise to come of a spirit inheritance. And so the Old Testament, you say, well, how do people get saved in the Old Testament? They believe forward. Abraham, by his faith, was considered righteous. It was a faith forward. We have a faith backwards now and forward. We have not the Savior who will come, but the Savior who came. 
And so what it, it was always reconciled, like, come on, guys, back on track. If you continue down this path, it is, it is all doom on the way. You are the ones walking way far away. That, that's the old covenant prophesying. But you don't see that same prophecy in the new covenant. You don't see the same things. You're like, why is the New Testament so different? Because it's a new covenant. And the New Covenant in the New Testament, all, where, what do you see? you see? You see Jesus walking up to women that nobody else will forgive and says, but I forgive you, go and sin no more. What did he do? He just spoke to her the ability that she can live sinless, though, but everyone else in the world saw her as an adulterer. He spoke the identity of God into her instead of the identity of the world. What? what what happens whenever, you know what, maybe Timothy was getting a little off track and Paul speaks to him and says, look, I remember who you are. I remember, I saw the faith in you that I saw in your grandmother and in your mother and I, I laid my hands on you personally and prayed for you and I saw God's gift on you. Now fan those flames and get him back in action. He didn't come around to Timothy and say, man, I, what are you slacking on? The Lord's going to get you. You know the end is near and you're going to pay if you don't hurry up and get right. No, he spoke back into Timothy, look, the Lord is still at work in you. Just live who you are. He spoke identity. He, he, he comes along in Paul over and over. We see books where he corrects people. You, Corinthians is a big correcting book. Flee sexual immorality. In other words, you're in it. But in the same token, he says, every day I wake up, I thank God for the grace that he's given. And I'm praying for you to continue growing in the fullness who you are in him. This is how he starts off every chapter. The new covenant prophesying is different. You know, it's so often that it can be specific, but it can also be speaking into another. What you see would be in a Jesus-centered life for them. You see, you see the ways the Lord is working, so you go ahead and speak the life of where the Lord is leading. It can be specific. You know, I, I will say personally, it says that there was a shift. The shift in Callie and I's life, our personal story, really began with prophecy that we did not know was prophecy. I've since learned, I'm reading through the scripture, you know what? Has anybody ever seen the word divine appointment in the Bible? But we adopt that word so much. I, I just want to correct a little theology there. I don't, I don't see where divine appointment is a biblical teaching. What it was was the Spirit was leading you. And then the appointment came to be. My, there's, a, there's a man in here yesterday, for instance. I'm riding, down, I'm, I'm riding through Natchez, and this, he already knows this story. I'm riding through Natchez with my kids. We're going to Duncan Park. And, uh, and I used to always have this stuff happen. You know, I'd think of somebody's name, and then I'd see them. I'd be like, ha, divine appointment. That was weird. You know, man, I should have been praying now. And I would always look back like, golly, I should have been praying for this to, to land differently. And so I'm riding down Homochitta Street here in Natchez, and I'm thinking, I, I need to text so-and-so, and I need to invite him to church. And I hadn't seen him in a little bit, and he's a dear friend. And, uh, and, but we're driving, Travis coming. I, sometimes I text and drive, but I didn't tell you that. And so uh, I'm, there's a lot of traffic coming, though, so I'm like, I'm not going to be stupid. And, and I'm like, well, I'm about to turn. I'm about to get out. I'm going to be mature right now, okay? And I'm going to text when I get to Duncan Park. And I, when I turn, I'm going down Homochitta, and this name is in my, and as soon as I get done park, I'm, I'm planning. I've got this plan. 20 seconds, literally, I turn the corner, and who do I see? I don't have to text. Now I can talk face-to-face. -face. 
What was it? Was it a divine appointment? No. It was Lord preparing the steps. It says, our boundary lines land in pleasant places. He, the Lord is the one, a righteous man. And for a righteous man, the Lord directs his steps. I think sometimes, you know, it's not that, that prophesying is a scary thing. It's just sometimes we don't know to interpret it for what it is. God gave you an intuition. A day later, you see it happen. And you're like, ha, huh, I was just thinking about that. Well, you know what? The Lord was stirring something. The Spirit was speaking. Begin recognizing that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, giving you an intuition. So then when you, we start recognizing after a few times, like, oh, Lord. And we lift them up. We pray for that situation. We pray for whatever it is. And then you know what? You see people. And then you see them. And it's like, ha, huh, the Lord brought them to The Holy Spirit brought them to my attention. I prayed for them. I've already considered this. Now that I see them, and you speak, and all of a sudden, the weirdest thing happens when you speak. They're like, I just can't believe I ran into you. That was exactly what I needed to hear. You know what it was? The Holy Spirit was working through you. It was giving you, and you began to speak things that were identity. You spoke hope. You spoke promise. You know what you did? You spoke to the people of who they are in Christ, and they've been carrying the identity of who the world says they are. And you just gave them who they are in Christ. Does that make sense? Is that bite size? Removes the confusion? Because here's what, verse, if we stepped over into it, I don't know if we got this on the screen. Yeah, we do. This is what the Bible says prophesying does. Verse 25 of chapter 14. It says, as they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed, and they will fall on their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among us us. I love that. What's the result? Is it a show? No. It's that people turn to Jesus. Where I remember really being a shift, and I did not realize what it was, but really it was a step of prophecy that we declared um, early in Callie and I's marriage after a few children, and did not realize it in the moment. We didn't know how to put words to it. We didn't know how to put description to it. We just knew we came to a God, um, and I've told this story many times, but we just knew we came to a God decision that he was giving us basically a fork in the road, and we could take it. And it had to do with, uh, with adopting our daughter. And, and I remember I came home and Kelly was like, we know somebody in, uh, in, in Peru in this orphanage and they're over this place and they have sent this word to us and it was a bad word. All prophecy, just because somebody can, is in the middle helping don't mean it's of the Lord. They had good intentions, but it was not the Lord. And so they began to speak. And, uh, and, and gave us all the things of how we should protect, basically how we should protect our lives, how we should make a different decision, how we were about to make the mistake of our lives, and we would regret it. What did they do? They spoke doom on my daughter. And they tried to speak things that were appealing to comfort and ease for us. And I remember Callie looked at me and she said, what are we going to do? The most, like, intimidating question. I just knew the Lord just gave us this word. And he said, and this was, this was what he gave us. He says, at this moment, we can say no. And we can take this two-year journey and we can throw it away. And we can throw the testimonies. We can throw the stories. We can push all of them aside and say, thank you. That was fun. Nice ride. But we're going to try something different now. And we could push all that aside and we could deny the work the Lord had done. And we could, you know what, we could continue going to church and living a cushy life and enjoying our little, you know, three our two or three children at the time, 
and we could just live, a, grow up, and we could go to church on Sunday morning, and we could live a kumbaya life and have no big deal. Or we could say yes to where we knew the Lord led us to. We could see his hand at work, and we can raise warriors of God in our home that will change the world and flip it upside down for the glory of Jesus to know the one who created them and who has called them and destined them for a purpose on this earth. We chose option two. Um, but you know what we didn't realize we were doing? We thought we were making a decision. Really what we did is we took a situation and we turned around and said, no, this is what the Lord is saying. What was it? It was prophesying. The Lord is going to be the author of our home. Not only, is, not only are we going to travel, but also our children are going to declare the wonders of the Lord. They're going to live out the full call in their life. We, we didn't realize it. Have you, does this make sense? Is this bite-sized? You know what it did? As we saw the Lord work, in that moment our secret thoughts were revealed, and we worship God even more. And we worship God more today than we did then. This is what prophecy does. But again... If love is not the leader, then it becomes just a pride-filled show that ruins the people. And possibly you've been around that. I want to introduce to you today the gifts of the Spirit are still alive. That we do not simply need to just love better. The call is to be filled with the love of Jesus and desiring of the spiritual gifts. We need to be filled with the love of Jesus and desiring of the spiritual gifts. Remember, without love, Satan will manipulate, an arrogant, will, man, will manipulate a gift that God gave and turn it into an arrogant pride, even in the area of, of spiritual gifts, because spiritual gifts are not earned, they're just received. They're not, they're not something that you worked up, they're not something you read the Bible enough, not something you memorized enough scripture, they're something that God just gives. The Holy Spirit just gives. If you want to turn it and manipulate it, you can. I wouldn't. Why would you? If you're giving something good, why do you want to turn it into something bad? That's ridiculous. And what happens at those times is there becomes an, an arrogance of spiritual things. And that arrogance of spiritual things, if we embrace that kind of life, it repulses people from responding to the love of Jesus found in this cross. And we don't ever want to repulse people from Jesus. We want to draw people to Jesus. So 1 Corinthians 13, Paul isn't saying, I don't need the gift of prophecy, but he's saying it's pointless without love. 1 Corinthians 13 has mostly been deemed like the love chapter, but really it's not the love chapter at all. He says, you know, tongues will be useless. But in the next chapter, he says, I'll speak in tongues more than you all. And I wish that you did too. But I would rather speak five words that you understand that would draw you to Jesus than to put on a show here in front of you and nobody understand. Because when I speak in tongues, it's going to strengthen my, my spirit, man. It's strengthening me with the Lord. It's not, doing, it's not what it's doing for you. I'm not saying speaking in tongues publicly is, is like evil. I'm not saying that at all. But the reality is, is, is strengthening the, 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 the individual. So he's like, I'd rather speak five words that you understand and come radically to Jesus. He's not saying throw it away. He's saying both and. And I think so often that 1 Corinthians 13 has been deemed the love chapter, but really it's not the love chapter. It's really the mixture chapter. It's a chapter of mixture. Everybody was running around. It, it, what's happening in the context? 
First Corinthians is like Las Vegas, okay? It's neon lights. It's sensationalism at its best. It is the draw. It is like, it, it is the social media of a, in the city, okay? And so what he does is everybody is wanting the sensationalism, but nobody's wanting the sacrifice of themselves. And they wanted to look great, and they wanted to feel more spiritual. And Paul comes along, and he says, all those things are a gift from God. And yes, every one of them are valuable. But if we were to not, but if you were to not arrive to those gifts, if you were to arrive at those gifts without love immersing through you, you'll miss the work of God that he's intending to do through you as a result. You'll miss reaching the nations because you'll only seek to gain selfish attention, to get the dopamine trigger. Any of my guys in here, any of my, any of my guys, I'm a, it's a little age factor here, but any of the guys remember two-stroke? Remember Honda 250R? Remember Yamaha? Remember, man, a Banshee 350 Twin? Remember the sound, the smell? Do, my man, do I have any men in the house that, re, that remember two-stroke? You know, before the demonic four-strokes took over everything. Man, there was, you know, it had that, it had, you, you, we, people used to have four-wheelers. I never had one. I had an old two, Honda 250 Elsinore, if anybody knows what that is. It was pretty cool, but it was like, it was, it just wouldn't do what it was supposed to do. And, uh, and these other guys would come along, and they'd have four-wheelers, and we'd ride on them, and it's all these, like, Honda Moto 200s, these four-strokes, and whoa, these big bears and grizzlies, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then that guy would come along with that 250R. I would love a 250R today. I would love a Banshee today. Man, golly, you keep your four-stroke 400EXs and all that mess. Give me a go. You know what I'm talking about. And so here's what we would do. There was over in the levee near the RV park, we used to ramp the levee. And uh, some of us ramped it better than others, depending on the kind of uh, device, you, you know, the, the apparatus you had. And so we, but if you had a four-stroke, you had to come at it really hard. And four-stroke just meant, you know, it had power, it was sluggish, but it wasn't getting there in a hurry, not near the same thing. And to, to make this understandable to all the ladies and everybody else, and so it's, it's, it's like the Suburban, okay? And it's, you're gassing it, and it's going, and it's like, whoa, and you had to get like a mile running start, because when you start going uphill, you're going to lose speed in the four-stroke. You're going to lose some momentum, and it's going to be heavy. And so you're going to ramp, and you're going to ramp something about this high, and you're going to feel glorious like a skateboard or something like oh, I got some air today baby yeah, I can remember we'd be out there though and those guys all of a sudden some of those older guys would show up out of nowhere and what a two stroke will do it will, it will get hot it will get fast and it will get there quick and it will do it very easily it's the ones going down the road, the motorcycle guys with the crotch rockets, you know, that, that are going down, and they're like 60, and all of a sudden they just, yeah, I'm going to catch a wheelie. You know, we weren't doing that with a four-stroke. And those guys would come up, and we would line our four-wheelers up, and motorcycles up, and they'd just ramp all over, like Evil Knievel in Vidalia, Louisiana, you know. It was just enjoying it. Make it all the way over the gravel road into the other side where the little turnaround was. They were the cool people. And we would just sit there and like, Oh, some of y'all had a 250 or three-wheeler, and you're just lucky to be alive. And we would just sit there as teenagers and just drool at these grown men. With a two-stroke. With a ning, 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 ning. 
And the way they made it look, it was, it was different. What they did, what they did differently, we with the four strokes, we just found gas and we got the best octane. Sometimes we'd steal it from like an oil well to get some little airplane gas from. And, and, but we, and put the best thing that we could, we thought was in there, the 93 octane, the whatever, and put it in there like, oh, we're running fast now. And, but what they would do is they'd get their gas and their oil and they would mix it. You had to because it wouldn't go very, it wasn't going to make it very long if you didn't mix it. And something to do with the way the motor is made, the combustion is made, the way it was made to receive the, 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 the mixture of the fuel. I know I'm making this way too long, but I'm trying. Would make them just come up and they would make everything that we worked hard for look so easy. You know what they had? They had love and the Spirit. Everything was easy, everything was powerful. We just had gas. We just had love. We thought, or we just had what we hoped of the Spirit. We, we just put in there whatever, we gave it our best shot. We're trying to do better. Like a lot of Christians, picking the parts to believe and hoping for the best based on the part I picked to believe. And picking what parts of God's word is going to be acceptable to me. And then I'm just going to reject the rest because I'm not comfortable there. The part that's going to cost me my pride because I don't know how it may look in front of people or I don't know what other people are going to think of me, I'm going to reject that part. The part I don't understand, I'm going to reject that part. And I'm going to hold on to this part over here that's convenient that I really doesn't. I, everybody in the world would say they believe it. Even the demons believe it and tremble. You know, kind of fall in that club. Can I say this? We don't get to pick our beliefs. I mean, we can pick them, but that doesn't change them. It doesn't change truth. Just because we haven't received something doesn't mean we get to now change God's word of truth. We receive and we live by faith in Jesus, who was crucified and rose again. And he gave us the love of the Father, and he gave us the power of the Spirit that will strengthen you for some of them. And some of the gifts will, God will do through you to help other people see what's in their heart because that's really what it is a lot of times. When we come to Jesus, we just didn't know what was there. We kind of had this callous. We had this facade, facade over it. We had this mask over it that we, that we thought was real. And then when somebody speaks really of the Lord, it opens like, wait, What do you mean I'm a, I'm a joint heir with Christ and every single promise he's given is mine and I can walk in that confidence? Some gifts are going to do one thing, some are going to do another, but we don't get to reject. We don't get to change the things that God gave just because it hadn't been experienced in the way that we desired yet. Maybe it was just a lack of understanding. This is what a godly marriage looks like. This is what a friendships that God puts together to change the world look like. They look like the things that strengthen one another, that build one another, that Christ is the center, the, the power of the Spirit is moving. A spiritual gift received without embracing the kind of love that was displayed in Jesus, though, at the cross is useless. But also, it's impossible to truly love at the level that God has equipped us to do and not embrace 
the spiritual gifts that he's given, working through us. We can pretend to love, but we cannot really know the love of God and not also begin embracing the gifts. We can seek the gifts and reject the love all day long. We can go for the sensationalism and reject the author of life. We've only talked about two couple of scriptures really today. Possibly things to know better, this is just kind of a plug, is these are things also, growing, knowing, discovering your spiritual gifts is something we do in growth track. Uh, we, we help people, what do we do? We help people see who they are in Christ through a, a series of processes in that class, which is you'd like to, you can take that same number you texted devotions, you can text growth track and it'll sign you up for March. I think of a couple of transitional moments in my life. I didn't realize what it was, was a young man at Team Mania. And I shared this story many times that said, I believe I know what, you're, what a gift you have. I've never heard of it. And the next day he revealed, he said, you had the gift of encouragement. I didn't know these things. I didn't see myself that way. I saw myself just trying to be the best Christian I could be. I was just loving Jesus and loving life. But something about when he spoke that, it's an identity I live out today. I may be wrong. This, if I don't live, if I don't physically, if I don't li- physically think about it daily, I physically act on it daily because of what a 19-year-old kid just spoke. What did he do? He spoke a word of prophecy. This is who you are. This is what the Lord. In my time around, this is what I see the Lord doing through you. Another time, sometimes it can be more specific. Here, a couple of years ago, uh, Callie and I were at a place, and a man who has the gift of prophecy. Uh, Pastor Rod Aguilar, he just kind of picked us out of a crowd. This is a whole other thing. There's an office of prophet and a gift of prophet. He has an office of prophet. <clears throat> and he stood me and Callie up. Never have I had this happen. And he said, and he began to just tell me my life. And he said, you've studied the Word for years. You've been faithful. You love the Word. And he said, you you." you you're on it line by line and precept on precept. The word is rich in you. He said, but you've been preaching for a long time. You've been preaching like a rifle. Kind of hit the one. He said, but God is about to open that up in more of a shotgun approach. He said, your preaching is about to totally change. And people are going to be like, what happened to him? Because it's not going to hit ones. It's going to hit multiple. It's going to hit multiple at the same time. And he, he turned over to Callie and he said, you're going to be counseling people. Had no idea she was struggling with it. But she's, she's in her class. She's like, Lord, do I keep doing this? I'm about to lose my mind. This is hard. She said, and he says, you're going to begin counseling with people. You're going to give them the counsel of the Lord. And you're going to, you're going to counsel lots of people. And he's giving you also, you're going to begin noticing a prophetic anointing come in upon your life. You're going to begin to speak things that are that are of the Lord speaking into people's lives as well. And then he turned to both of us and he says, and you're going to begin, you're both. You're, you're, people are going to begin opening up about their marriages to you and you're going to be a reconciler of marriages. 
things that the devil meant to destroy, God is going to bring together, but he's going to use you to do it. He was very specific. He said, you're going to be speaking at marriage conferences. Like two weeks later, we were speaking in the only marriage conference we've ever spoke at. And it wasn't even scheduled at that point. Maybe a month later. But we were scheduled within about a week or two. And, uh, and it was like, what? It's been like two years. But you know, the truth is, we thought the marriage conference was it. But the truth is, it wasn't. It was just the Lord saying, I told you. Just hang on. And the work that we're seeing God do in people now, the, mar- the, 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 the marriages that are being restored now, the, the, the places that God is putting us in, in corners and pockets and living rooms, that we've never been allowed in before. And you know what? And it's not just praying for it, but it's seeing the Lord's spirit rise up and reconciling two people who were divided. You know what he did? He just finally gave the courage and he spoke an identity of God. He spoke, and, but there's a responsibility on us. The responsibility is we have to receive it. We don't just say, well, I'll see what happens. I received that word. Let me ask you, if, if somebody came, if, if there was somebody come in here, let's, say, let's just put a witch or a witch doctor or something crazy, come in here and begin cursing and putting hexes and saying all this stuff, how many of you would be like, oh, man, what's going to happen to me now? Everything bad going about, I bet a lot. Why do we receive the curses so quickly and reject the blessings so fast? Whenever the Lord says, whenever we tell people, bless you, why don't we receive it? Like, I'll take it. Oh, I asked Josiah to come up here and share a story of something that happened recently, and then we'll close. Is this uh, too much? Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't know I was going to be speaking until right before, but I've just, <laughs> yeah. I've been seeing God move so much more and more every week. I feel like I have another story of hearing him speak and show me things and like just the miracles that come out of that. But one of the more incredible ones was, um, I think it was in the middle of when everyone was doing the fast here and I hadn't been doing the fast. He was cheating. (laughs) But I woke up one morning and read, I don't remember where in Acts, but it's after Paul gets saved and I believe he's with Barnabas. And they fast and pray, and that's how they received their calling to go out and be missionaries. And I didn't feel like I was supposed to pray about my calling, but I felt like God was like, you need to fast just for a few days. I was like, okay, I'll start fasting with them for a few days. And anyway, I came here that night, and y'all had the worship night here. That was a, like the second Friday, Friday night. night. Yeah. Anyway, I've been praying for God to move on my campus, but I... Um, was just praying and I listened to a sermon earlier about you know Jesus said he only does what he saw the father doing so I was like God what can I pray what are you doing that I can pray in alignment with and I was like how do you want to move on our campus and what came to mind was the athletes there are a lot of athletes on my campus and most of them aren't saved that's probably the least saved demographic I was like okay that makes sense so I was like God please just move in the athletes on campus and while praying about that I had like I just one person that I know that plays football come to mind and I don't know